Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Wonder what those taste like. Poop them right out. Nice. Mm-hmm. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With Rami. I think it's um, more than one area. I think uh, you know. I think Kevin has done a nice job calling the game, which helps. Uh, helps um, the quarterback getting the ball out on time. Helps. He's not sitting back there and patting it. Honestly, then, it's it's first things first. You know what's important is is beating backers, and and we're not going to spend time or energy thinking about all that's out of our control. Um, we have plenty in our control, and we'll focus on that. But. Um, you know, it's no secret that to, to have a home playoff game would, would help, and uh, the Packers know that too. So uh, it's going to be, uh, you know, two good football teams going at it next month. I'm night. sick of the fear mongering around here. Sick of the fear mongering. All this fear mongering about about who the Vikings should be looking to avoid. Oh my gosh, we're, who are we afraid to face in the playoffs? Oh, that fear mongering. Yeah, that would be mostly Judd's fear mongering. That was called eleven here. to noon today. <laughs> Just, <laughs> We changed the name from Vetline to Vikings Fearmongering. Here's what you don't want to do. Here's what I want to start the show with today. Mackie and Judd with Rami. Back at full strength today. 651-646-8255. Jonathan has a soundbite here. Actually, Jonathan's having a conversation. So I want to make sure that we're on the same page here. Let's play the good morning football soundbite from this morning. Okay? Forget about fearmongering for a second. Oh, my God. The Saints beat the brakes off the Colts last night. You don't want to play a play Let's figure out how the Vikings can just avoid that conversation altogether. Here is the Vikings' path to a number one seed in the NFC. For the Vikings to secure the number one seed and have home field throughout the playoffs, the Vikings need to win their final two games. That's home against the Packers and home against the Bears. Second, the 49ers and the Seahawks each need to lose their Week 16 game. The Niners home against the Rams and the Seahawks home against the Cardinals. Third, for the Vikings to get the number one seed, they would need the Packers to not only lose to them in Week 16, but then they would also need the Packers to lose Week 17 at the Lions. I don't know about that, Driggs. Fourth, they would need the Saints to lose at the Panthers in Week 17. Fifth, Ben. Fifth, they would need the 49ers and the Seahawks to tie. Yes, okay, they have to tie. Right, like Week it. 17, if the 49ers and the Seahawks tie, the Vikings' number one seed is still very much alive. If all of that happens, the Vikings at 12-4 and four would have a better record in the conference than the 49ers, than the Seahawks, than the Packers, and a better conference record than the Saints, who would also be 12-4. and four. Thus, the Vikings would clinch the number one seed and would have home field advantage in the NFC playoffs. 
What? Who's with me? I couldn't Who's get, with me? Rami, can you help Come me? Come on. I couldn't get past the music. It was really loud. <laughs> what was, what was the deal know. with the music? Who's it was on supposed the to mix? be like a Beautiful Minds segment from their show. Oh, is that, like, is that what they were going yeah. for? Who was on the mix at NFL Network? Because I, I know. They didn't do that. Peter Schrager got lost in the sauce. I don't even know what he just said. I don't know what well, Peter Schrager just said. You know said. what Kay it, said? It ends with a tie in week 17 between the Niners and the Seahawks. <laughs> Kay, I know that. Kay said, it's not happening. And if Kay Adams tells me it's not happening, All right. it's not happening, okay? I don't care what the rest of those guys say. All right. Well, I'm going to go place a bet on this parlay right here, and I'm going to make I'm going to make it a write that down prediction. I just need to mold it and figure out how much money I'm dropping. But uh, so okay, the number one seed binding. is not very likely. That, that definitely is binding. You're writing that down. That the Vikings that all that's going to no. happen. No, I said I'm going to have to come up with a write that down. I didn't say that it is a write that. Oh, down. There's only that, one that way gonna... that that they get the number one seeds. So you don't really have to come up with a write that down. Well, I want to figure out uh, how much of this I want in one prediction. Versus, <laughs> I might predict the tie only in week 17. <laughs> But here's the thing. So, so Judd and I were talking, and 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 just before the show started, on the Saints, they just destroyed the Colts last night. And Drew Brees goes twenty nine of thirty, and they're playing really good football. And honestly, I think if your opinion today is, well, you man, you just got to avoid playing in New Orleans. You could pretty much make a case for any of the road playoff atmosphere, minus well, even like even Philadelphia, Dallas. Like people are going to say. Well, those are easy walkover games, not road games. There's no easy road game in the NFC right now. So you could play that game with the Saints. You give play the game with me any. the Packers. That's, give that, me Lambeau you, Field. You can't say that's a gimme game, though. No, give it's me not. The Eagles. Well, there's no gimme. Give me the Eagles. No, no, no way. Rami. I'm give te- me the Eagles. I'm telling you, well, yes, I agree there. But if you go on the road in the playoffs, it's going to be tough, right? But I want no part of the Superdome, but I'll keep going. I want no part of... Drew Brees right now, because a month ago I said, oh, Brees, you're really falling off, ain't he? <laughs> Guess who's not falling off? Drew Brees. I want no part of Michael Thomas. Who's going to stop him? And the last thing is, I don't want to, and this is not a criticism of this player, it's not wanting to tempt fate. I don't want to put Kirk Cousins in what I consider to be the worst environment, potentially, as far as he goes there, it's the Superdome, it's intimidating, because once... Once bad Kirk comes out on the road, bad Kirk is there to stay. So, Phil, you're right. Every game potentially on the road is tough. I'm not trying to say that. I just think the Superdome, to me, is the last place on earth I want to go that I might have to go. But here's but here's the thing. If any of those locations, and I would include the Superdome, the Superdome is probably, if Drew Brees is going to play like that, I mean, that's... That's probably the toughest play. I would say the 49ers are the toughest, although they're not playing very well lately. But the 49ers, body of work, toughest beat at their stadium through the first three months of the season so far. But if you have a panicked feeling about any of these games, then the Vikings really aren't like, then they're not a Super Bowl caliber team, anyways. And that's the point I want to make. I actually feel like watching that game over the Chargers on Sunday, the way that they dominated and the way that they baited. Philip Rivers into the interceptions that he was begging to throw before the game started. Bravo Vikings defense. I actually feel as good about this team's chances to make a run as I felt all season so far. They did exactly what we asked them to do last week, which is go in. You should win this game, but go win this game decisively and make us say, wow, okay, that's a stamp of a win in a crappy road environment, but it is a non-home environment. And I think that I think the discussion should be less about well, how can you like finesse the playoff matchup so that you get 
a crappy NFC East team and then maybe like get lucky and then the Packers are your next team and start talking about is this team good enough to go into New Orleans and to go into San Francisco and go into a legitimate road environment and do what they are set up to do, but which is make is, a Super Bowl run. There is a path of least resistance. I don't I don't think it's pessimism or negativity to say they have a better chance of going on the road and winning three playoff games if that path goes through Philadelphia than Green Bay before you have to face a Seattle or a San Francisco or a New Orleans. I mean, the seating is what it is. The records are what they are for a reason. It says something about what those football teams are. And beyond that, you can just look at matchups and what those teams do well versus what the Vikings struggle with and vice versa. And I think the Eagles and the Packers present the path of least resistance sure. on a road through the playoffs where it looks like it's not set in stone yet, but it looks like you're going to have to win three road games. But sh- but isn't there also, and maybe I'm on an island w- with this one here, 10 years ago, the Vikings went into New Orleans. 10 years ago, the 2009 Vikings with Brett Favre went into New Orleans and they let it slip away, and it's one of the worst losses in the history of the I mean, 1998, 2009, and then pick your four Super Bowl losses. That is your... Mount Rushmore of of Vikings heartbreak right there, going back 60 years. Is there no part of anyone, fans included, who are listening right now that kind of want that matchup again 10 years later? Kind of want to stand in that ring again, and you want to dish it back to a New Orleans team that gave it to you in 2009? In the conference title game, if you can get there, sure. Okay. I'll do that. But first round, no, want no part of that. No, not in the first round. I kind of Rami's right. I kind of want it any time in the playoffs. I and I, and I bet but you don't you want to advance. Listen, like, I don't. don't you, but I'm not saying they can't advance past New Orleans. I'm just looking at the path of least resistance. What gives you the best chance of getting there? And it's not going through New Orleans. Period. It's certainly not doing it in the first round. I give them a chance to go into New Orleans, New Orleans and come has, out with the win. New Orleans has lost two home games this season. Wasn't one of them? To, they lost at home to the Falcons. They lost as in New Orleans or New Orleans. No, technically it's it's Nolans. It's Nolans. Nolans to the locals. <laughs> it's the Saints. It's just the Saints. All right. Okay. The Saints have lost. They two played home a games terrible game against okay. the Falcons. The Vikings. Well, I, I feel like we're having this conversation as if like. The Saints are on this level up here, and the Vikings are here. And I don't know if I would say I that. No, I don't I, know if I would say that. I wouldn't say that. I don't think there's a team that's on a completely different level than than any other team in the NFC right now. I'm trying to keep you away from two people in particular: Drew Brees, Michael Thomas. Okay, and with these cornerbacks right now, Michael Thomas could. Michael eat you Thomas out. does scare me a little. He's, bit. He should scare don't you. Don't you think Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen and this version of Kirk Cousins should scare people too? Uh, no, I'm because trying to flip this I'm trying to keep. Okay. I'm trying to keep. Cousins, is, okay, I'm trying to keep cousins. None of those guys are Drew Brees or Michael Thomas, and I'm trying to keep cousins out of environments that I think might be bad for his psyche. I can put him in Green Bay, and I think I'd be okay now. I'm not positive, but I think so. I can, I know that I can put him in Dallas or Philadelphia and be okay. New Orleans, man. I think New Orleans. Listen, the I, Saints. I don't know. It's time to take the training wheels off okay. and, let, and, and just I, let the bike go where it's going to go. Can I play, the, I mean, can I play the little sports now. dad just quickly here sure. for you? I say bring on right. the Saints, bring on the Niners. Can I tell you a little story? Go toe-to-toe. Phil Mackey. Sure. Rami, too, but Sit more Sit down Phil. by the fire here. Yeah. Come over here, youngster. Nope. Not going to do that. <laughs> Sit on my lap. Nope, that's okay. I want to tell you something about good over here. Minnesota sports <laughs> I don't know. in 2019, okay? All right? I want to tell you about a summer of fun because it was a summer of fun. It was a baseball team, 101 games, the American League Central title. Looked really good, beat up on a lot of bad teams, but you know what? You got to the point you didn't care. And then they played a team, I like to call them the Bombers, Bronx Bombers. 
see where you're going. And um, after beating up on all those bad teams, there were three games in which the Bombers <clears throat> beat you in three and you were done. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, sort of a lesson learned, right? Right, son? Well, wait, wait. We're not done. We're not done. Because okay. then we had something called the gopher football season. Row the boat. Okay. And you beat up on teams much like, you know what's funny? Much like the Chargers and Lions. You, you kill bad teams. Convincing wins. And then you got teased against Penn State. Or you didn't get teased. Whatever. You played this really tough game and you won that tough game, you guys. It was unbelievable. One of the funnest... Oh, you know what? No, I'm going to clarify. The funnest day of sports dads go for football life. Yeah. And then Big Bad Wisconsin came to town and you said, Bucky, you're in for it. You're in for it. And the next thing you know, the boat sprung a leak and sunk. And now it's the Vikings, all right? So I'd like to teach the lesson of, to Rami's point, the path. Let's make the path Wait a second. as easy as Wait possible. Wait a second. Wait a second, sports dad. Sports dad is the biggest hypocrite in the room right now. The sports, sports dad's got dad, problems, but... Sports dad for a week, for a week, was saying, bring on Auburn. Bring Auburn... Oh, I want Auburn. ...on toe-to-toe. Okay, here's why. Here's why. Here's What's why. the difference between no, wanting no. Auburn over here I've got and your not answer. wanting New Orleans Great over here? Point. I've, got Great you, point. I've got your answer. Hypocrite I am not backed dad. into a corner whatsoever. Parents can often be hypocrites, though. <laughs> right? Speak for yourself. <laughs> Rami's, Rami's exactly right. FYI. You have no idea what you're talking about. Jonathan, eat your vegetables while I have a corn dog. Exactly. Yes, absolutely. And a beer. <laughs> the difference is this. The Auburn Bowl game provides a test I want to see. But if the golfers win or lose, ultimately I don't care. It gives you a test. Now, playing tough teams in the regular season, gentlemen, I like to see. Because that gives you a test. But you know what happens if you decide in playoff game one, I want the toughest test possible, and you get beat, you go home. So there are times when I say, hold on a second, let's make the path as easy as possible to a potential at least advancement. The Gophers aren't, if the Gophers get beat by 20, I don't care. It's going to tell me where they are, but it's not like they're going to go to, or, or they've lost a chance to go to another bowl game. It comes down basically to math. Like, no matter no matter what the odds are in favor or against any any particular football team any particular team whatsoever going into every game you go to ESPN's FPI you can go to a number of websites that calculate the percentage of your team winning or losing that so none of this is predetermined going into every game i know i i feel like i'm saying things that people already know but let me do it anyways going into every game there is a certain chance that you, you will win play to win the game <laughs> there's there's a certain chance that you will win and there is a certain chance that you will lose you want the percentages that you will win when you add them up over the course of a playoff run to be as high as possible i would imagine that going to new orleans and winning a football there while not impossible probably presents your slimmest chances of winning a football game. Wouldn't you agree to that? Yes. I would agree with that. So but, don't but, you want but, but, well, the highest percentage? At Seattle. Or are you trying to San find Francisco, something out about are, this football team? So you're, no, this is, this, is, this is what I'm saying, okay? The New Orleans Saints are being treated, especially after last night's win, because it's, it's the most recent thing we've seen of them at home, they're being treated as this unbeatable giant inside that stadium. Even though in the three home games before that blowout win last night over the Colts, okay? They gave up 48 points in a loss to the San Francisco 49ers, okay? They lost to the Falcons 
in that building. And they gave up 31 points to the Panthers with a backup quarterback. Okay. So, yes, it's, I think it's correct. Both, like what you guys are saying. Okay. Like, let me, let me break it all apart. So, Rami, what you're saying is it's the toughest environment to win percentage wise. That it's, that it's, you have the least percentage chance of winning in that environment when you stack up the potential road matchups in the playoffs and specifically in the first round. Yes. Right. Okay. It's the toughest game that you can, it's, it's the toughest card you can be dealt in sure. the first round of the playoffs at this and, point. And, the Vikings are really good. They are. And it's a very gettable game still. It's gettable, yes, but less gettable than the rest. It's also a really fun revenge gettable game 10 years later. But okay, are, okay so but are you saying that I'm you want to sit here and first pray round? that, oh my God, avoid this matchup? Just to be clear. Bring it on. Just to be clear, are you saying bring it on first round or are you just. Because if you play them at some point, I think we all agree that's fine. Honestly, the what, path might have to go through there. Like, I don't. The Vikings season at this point, they're going to they're gonna either go 12 and 4 or 11 and 5. And whether they win a playoff game in the first round or not, that's not a huge defining factor. For like, they need to go deep in the playoffs at this point. And so, I get that the easier path to go deep in the playoffs is to avoid the Saints. But you're going to have, if you want to play in a Super Bowl, you're going to have to go through either San Francisco, uh, Seattle, or New Orleans. I mean, you're going to have to go through those. And I'm, and I, and I, and, and, and again, what I'm saying is the Vikings are really good, and this game should not be viewed as. Oh my God! Avoid it, like you would look at the '99 Rams or something, or uh, like the Patriots for most of the years under Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Like, or it's just if you go there, it's a it's a crypt keeper situation. Like that's not how I view this game against the Saints. And maybe I'll be proven wrong. I just think this is a more gettable game, and the Vikings are better than we are giving credit to right now. You're holding it against the Vikings that they haven't beat a good team in a situation like that. But I think they're good enough to absolutely win games like that. If they don't shoot themselves in the foot like they did against Green Bay, and I think like they did against Seattle by not at least doing something more meaningful down by four with the ball three minutes to go. Like the Vikings are in place to win games like that all season long. On turf at home for the Saints with Drew Brees and Thomas. I, I, and your cornerbacks are not that good. I think it would be, they're not stopping anybody either last night for disaster. I think it's a recipe. Yeah, but they've, what didn't they just get uh, Janoris Jenkins? From the Giants, they picked him up, which is not a bad acquisition. I look if you can get up to the five seed and get the Eagles or Cowboys. If I'm the Vikings, I'm so happy oh, I could cry. Yeah, give that to me all day if I'm a Vikings fan. And I think sure. I, either of those ones don't scare like, me. I feel Both like, those don't. Scare I feel me. like Judd and I are trying to find the the best path to a Super Bowl, and Mackie is trying to find like the funnest, well, I, most entertaining. No, I think Phil best no, storyline. Like, I'm just saying, like you guys are trying to like. I think you massage think the, and finesse this path. I think you think the Vikings are better than I think they are for yes, sure. I do, I do, and I haven't seen them win that game yet. You know, the, the, the Gophers blew out Rutgers and Maryland and then got to the Badgers, and it, it was too much. So I've just gotten to the point in 2019 where I've sort of gotten lazy and just want to see you beat okay teams to advance as far as possible. Sure. I mean, like, I look at some of these teams with better records in the NFC right now. I think the Vikings have a better overall roster than Seattle does. I think they have a better overall roster than New Orleans does. Obviously, when you have a Hall of Fame quarterback propping those two teams up, that's the difference of... I mean, that's why... Seattle's eleven and three, and New Orleans is eleven and three because they have Russell Wilson, Drew Brees, and I understand that. Right, but I just think I think if you ranked the rosters up and down in the NFC, I mean the Vikings are a badass team this season that has just shot themselves in the foot or has been missing Adam Thielen in a couple of games, and now Adam Thielen is back, but he doesn't look like Adam Thielen, and Dalvin Cook doesn't look like Dalvin Cook to me. Th- those two things right there, 
are the biggest hurdle that the Vikings have to clear in if we're talking Super Bowl or mm-hmm. any sort of playoff run that those two guys looks like they won't be at full strength for you when it matters. Yeah, most. what is okay, what is is it likely at this point that Dalvin Cook sits for the next two games? Now that they've won that Chargers game, now that the that's Rams a, came back a step. That's like, my guess is yes. Schefter said last night at halftime as sort of an opinion that he doesn't think yeah. that Cook is going to play in those last two games, but he makes phone calls all day long. And Zimmer said he should be fine. And when Mike says that about a player, it means he's almost certainly going to sit. The thing that scares me. Lying, so I, I bet you Cook does not play against the Packers or Bears. The thing that scares me is Dalvin Cook seems like a guy who you have to drag off the field. You just don't dress him. And Mike Zimmer doesn't seem like a guy who shies away from playing guys who are banged up and, and still want to be out there on the football field. Mike Zimmer, from what I understand, has taken issue with his training staff before in terms of how long they want to keep guys out with certain injuries. So if Dalvin Cook is saying, I can go, and the training staff is saying, yeah, he can, but he probably shouldn't, I think Mike Zimmer looks at that and goes, yeah, he's a go. Let's go get these guys. But the common sense here is you've got two backs behind Cook that can both play. They're not bad, all right? If you don't have Cook at 100% in playoff game one, you're in trouble. Your play-action game is incredibly important. And if Dalvin Cook tries to, uh, to play in these last two playoff games, and let's say he goes into, or these last two regular, regular season, season games, games and goes yeah. into the playoffs, and let's say he's 60%, and I'm the Packers, and he doesn't scare me, play-action's not going to work. Dude, the thing that, I mean, the when he left the game on Sunday, that was such an innocuous play, too. It's like he was like trying to fall like a Navy SEAL, but he didn't. it wasn't like he hit hard mm-hmm. or... He just kind of I've watched like five times. There's nothing about it where you're where you see a, a definitive hit. Yeah. Well, he said that just falling is a challenge for him now. That he's been practicing falling throughout the week without getting injured and watching video of Navy SEALs and their tuck and roll technique. I mean, that doesn't sound like a guy who should be out on a football field, especially a guy as valuable to you as Dalvin Cook is when he's going into every play thinking about how do I... A lot of falling happens in football. I don't know if everybody's aware of this. You end up on the ground quite often. So yeah. if he can further this injury or re-aggravate it just by falling to the ground sort of innocuously, what is he doing out there when the playoff picture is all but set? And my, my stance has now changed from last week to this week in that the... The Vikings were still very much at risk. They had to win that game against the Chargers based on the evidence we had last week with the Rams surging and the Bears surging. It was playoff time starting in Los Angeles. Well, now that the Vikings beat the Chargers, the Bears are out, and the Rams lost, okay. Sit them. I sit them. No, I, I sit them. Uh, let's go to a Dave in South Carolina. You're on with Mackie, Judd, and Rami. Hey, Dave. Hey, what's up, guys? Uh, Phil, you got me fired up. You must have listened to my uh, phone call uh, earlier today. Now, I, I, have, I, have, I did not hear your phone call. Are we? Are you disagreeing with me, or are we on the same page here? Uh, we're on. We're on the total same page. Uh, Jed had me so fired up uh, today. I had to. Uh, I had to call up. I thought the uh, the Saints were six time Super Bowl consecutive winners. Um, <laughs> so I totally agree with you. Okay, and uh, I live in the South. I've, I've been saying this. I watch their games a lot down here. And, uh, you know, look, um, they can put up 30 to 40, and we can put up 40 to 50 if we have to right now. Uh, I think we can beat them, uh, I really do, anywhere, at the YMCA field or their stadium or here. I, I just think that if you're a five or six seed this year, I've said this all along, 
I think if y'all look at it realistically, say, you know, we know Seattle or San Francisco probably will be a five seed, uh, if not the Packers. Um, you know, I still think there's a possibility, and maybe I'm drinking the Kool-Aid, but I, I'm, if we can finish as a five or six seed, five is very legitimate right now. The 49ers lose one to the Rams or to the uh, Seahawks, and we went out, we're a five seed. Or if we somehow get the three seed, I still honestly believe that the five and the six seeds if we are one of them, uh, with the other, uh, you know, the other team bearing that seat, I think that they'll make that run and it'd be in a championship game and it would be at home for a three seed. Of course, we get the first one. Um, I'm not worried about any of these teams. Uh, to be honest with you guys, I think that I'm going to throw a curveball in here. The team I really do not want to play again because of our history, I would not want to go to Dallas if they continue to stay hot. But the rest of these teams, um, I feel pretty good about. So that's just where I'm at with it. I'm with sure. you, uh, and I want to. I want to beat the Saints, and I want Mike. Uh, I want. I want Mike to put on the paper bag Saints uh, fan bag with the eyes open, and turn to the crowd and do a skull chant, and <laughs> and then look over at Sean and blow him some kisses. That's how I feel. All right, All right David, guys? South Carolina man. Thanks. Thanks for the phone call. Yeah. To to his point about the five and the six seeds. I want to say it's only happened a, a handful or less times where a six seed has gone and won the road games, or our team has won three road games to get to the Super Bowl and win it. And I would say of all the years, these are probably the strongest. If the seeding holds like this, uh, even if it shuffles, like because if it shuffles, it's it's a team like the Seahawks that comes down, right? This is the strongest 5-6 seed tandem I can remember in years in either the AFC or the NFC. I mean, the AFC almost never has strong 5-6 and six seeds, right. but this is... These are going to be well, those fi- fights in those, the playoff bracket. The f- five seeds, if you take out the champion in the East, the five seeds are pretty equal. They're pre- right. They're pretty. They're, there's no great team there, but they're not bad teams. Eagles and Cowboys, I have no time for. Just cash it in, get out. You're awful. It's a joke. But those five teams uh, stopping with the Vikings. Are actually yeah. really solid teams. I think you've got in the in the Niners and the Vikings. I think you've got some loaded rosters there. The Vikings defense is. Do you know the team that doesn't scare me more and more now? The Packers. I watched them on Sunday again. Same here. They just don't do much for me. I would say for about six or seven weeks, that team has been headed in the wrong direction. Despite getting wins, even Aaron Rodgers is calling him in in one breath. Aaron Rodgers will call him ugly wins, and the next breath say he feels really good about his football team and and where they're at right now. When this season started. They had Mike Pettin, who I think is a very good defensive coordinator. They made some free agent acquisitions on the defensive side of the football. I like their young quarterbacks. They made the Bears offense, which last year was at least sufficient, look very bad. And it was a really good defense for about four or five weeks. And I thought they fixed that side of the ball. And I thought on the other side, it's just a matter of time before Aaron Rodgers picks up Matt LaFleur's offense and is Aaron Rodgers again. Well, the defense has taken steps back since then. The offense isn't really any better, and that all of a sudden is not as dangerous a football team as they looked like what, earlier in the season. What's up with his receivers, though? That that first play from scrimmage that the Packers ran, the deep shot, Aaron put that ball, it was a gorgeous pass. And what, Valdez-Scantling, is that correct? It went through his hands. You can't have that. Yeah, that's uh, that's not, again, I'm not, I wouldn't look at that as like, bring on Green Bay, because I'm getting weak. close. I'm getting closer to that actually. But it is another. These are these games are gettable. These are the Vikings are. We'll we'll talk more about this throughout the show here. We'd welcome your phone calls 
in the 5 o'clock hour, too. We're going to get back to Vikings after some hot stove discussion with Doogie. The scoop segment Did you see coming up next. The latest developments that just came out about Madison Bumgarner in the last few minutes? No. Should we get to them next? Yes, we should. Okay. Yes, also, should. Buster only <laughs> used a word when describing the Twins. I didn't see this. Yeah. <laughs> what did he say? Well, I'll just wait. We'll get to it next. All right. The scoop of Doogie next. Okay. You think you like football? John Madden doesn't just like football. He f- loves football. Have you ever seen a defensive back with a good personality that was any good? Defensive backs usually don't have nice personalities. <laughs> and linebackers don't either. I mean, linebackers, you know, they're all half goofy. You know, they got their eyes, you know, staring and looking and cross. Now, the nice guys are like this guy here, Jason Garrett. Third quarterback, wears a cap, went to Princeton. These guys like this guy here, Charles Haley. Nope. No. Yeah, football. That's right. And Luther Brookdale Toyota, Toyotathon, is on right now. It's the biggest sales event of the year. And it's a chance for you before the holidays here if you want to maybe make a big splash, save big money on 2020 RAV4s, 2019 close-up prices on Tacomas and 4Runners. The safety features on these vehicles are just incredible. You get the durability of Toyotas. You get the service and the great human interaction that you get with my friends in that showroom area at Luther Brookdale Toyota. But the safety features, I had a firsthand experience yesterday. Now, you know, sometimes you're driving around. It was rush hours, downtown Minneapolis. It was stop and go. And if you just even space out for a split second or you take your eyes off of the road for a second to look left or whatever it is, uh, maybe you're maybe you're changing your audio on the Apple CarPlay system, whatever it is. And I had one of those moments yesterday where the car actually stopped before I saw it in front of me. Uh, the car in front of me slammed on its brakes. My car with state-of-the-art technology, my 2019 RAV4, stopped before I saw it. The car just stopped because it sensed how far the car in front of me was and uh, it sensed danger. And it's just like if you have a family, you're looking for upgraded safety features, I can't recommend Toyotas and Luther Brookdale Toyota enough. 694 in Brooklyn Boulevard, LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. Jonathan here with the Score North download. Do your holiday shopping online and save up to 70% with the Score North holiday online auction. Golf packages, electric bikes, countertops, sea life passes, and more to view and bid on items. Visit scorenorth.com and enter keyword auction. Boy, is happy anniversary. Did you, uh, do you know what the anniversary is? Hmm. Nine years to the day. Nine years to the day. So 2010. Yep. Uh, well, hold on. 2010. Actually, is it 2010 Vikings related? Nope. Is this Brad Childress? Okay. No, not Vikings related. Because Judd Pelissero and I are going to do a rewind episode tonight on the 2010 Vikings. Nine years. This is Twins related. It's my last hint. Mauer no contract? Idea. No, it's a contract, not one that March. the Twins are proud of. Oh, my of. God. Siyoshi Nishioka. Yes. Siyoshi Nishioka. Oh. Nine years to the day. Oh, wow. Nishioka. Okay, I said wow. Tomi. Siyoshi Nishioka. And that's Good been memories. your score north download. That's been my <laughs> yeah, Way to go, Jonathan. <laughs> Happy memories. 
Amazing. Mackie and Judd with Rami. Score North, 1500. Scorenorth.com. Scorenorth mobile app. I said before the break, and we'll get the scoop from Doogie. That's that voice you just heard a second ago in just one sec. But developments when it comes to Madison Bumgarner and the contract that he got from the Arizona Diamondbacks. Reckless speculation. Both of these coming courtesy of Bob Nightingale. He first relieved that the Bumgarner deal with the D-backs is valued at $81.8 million. Not the 85 we originally thought. The breakdown is 6 million in 2020, 19 million in 2021 with 5 million deferred, 23 million in 2022 with 5 million deferred, 23 million in 2023 with 5 million deferred, 14 million in the final year of the deal. He does get four spring training, regular season and postseason tickets as part of his deal as well. So I saw that and I thought even cheaper. Than what we originally thought. The first number we saw was five years, eighty-five million. But Nightingale followed that up with another tweet where he says rival teams say they were told that Bumgarner had several offers of at least five years and one hundred million dollars. Wow! But he winds up with eighty-five over five years from the D-backs and only five teams he can re- reject trades to. But did anyone kick in the extra two spring training tickets? I don't know. Maybe I don't. That, don't, that <laughs> might have been the sticking point. That could have been the sticking point. So, Doogie, what can you tell us about the Twins' pursuit of Madison Bumgarner? Because you've been reporting all along. They they were in on Zach Wheeler at, what, five years, $100 million. Um, What were or weren't they willing to do on Madison Bumgarner? They were not willing to offer him five years. They have a good relationship with Bumgarner's agent. They got a deal done last year with that agent. He represents Jonathan Scope. So they had a number of back and forths. There were some parameters of some deals discussed, but not once were the Twins willing to go to five years. Because the relationship is rock solid with the agent, the agent values the relationship with Falvey, Levine, Antony, and so on in the Twins' front office, he let them know. The Twins took him at his word. Hey, I have a five-year deal that Madison is willing to take. Are you willing to go there and way north of there? And that's when the twins said no. So they weren't we are one not of those, willing to do that. They weren't one of those five teams Heyman references there who had a five year, one hundred million dollar offer on the Correct. Table. My okay. understanding is the twins did not offer five years. There were parameters of deals discussed less than five years. But my understanding is from a rock solid source that the twins were not willing to offer him five years. So what would have got him here then? <laughs> well, five years and what? Because he, I mean, he, he clearly took a discount yeah, from the G backs. Yeah. My understanding so is... are we talking 119, 120? Yeah, I mean, I would think. I mean, I don't know for sure, but my sense is that he really, really likes Arizona. Recently bought some property. He's got horses there. In the he? Scottsdale area, he's got his horses there. That the best times of his life, going back a number of years, have been the six or seven or eight weeks that him and his wife have spent in the Scottsdale area for spring training. So he loves Arizona. So he's now there. This is the team he always wanted. This is what I hinted at last week. In this, well, I don't know if it was this very time slot. might have been 5 o'clock, but last Tuesday, I said, there's all this talk about Ryu and whether he wants to come to Minnesota. What makes anybody think that Madison Bumgarner wants to come to Minnesota? And trust me, he didn't. Now, money ultimately talks. Don't get me wrong. If they had offered him 120 or $130 million, it might have been hard for him to say no. I just know the Twins were not willing to go to that point. Do you know if they at any point offered him to let him bat? 
That I don't know. Okay. I don't know if talks ever got quite that, to that what point. What if that's what it was? He's like, you know what? I really appreciate the extra $30 million. He does like the bat. That's what I'm that saying. Know. That's what I'm Did saying. Did they say, we will put a horse in the bottom of Target Field by your locker stall, and you can ride the horse around the clubhouse? Around the clubhouse. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> well, okay. For the for this room, okay? Let's say, because money, money talks, right? That's what Doogie just said. It does, and even with Zach Wheeler, I get it. The White Sox offered a bit more, but make no mistake. I mean, five years, one hundred eighteen million. Trust me, if the Twins had gone to five years and one hundred and thirty-five or one hundred and forty million, I think Zach Wheeler comes here. Okay, so, so for- even though he wanted to stay in the National League, fiance's family is from right outside Philadelphia, you know, somewhere in New Jersey. Yep, he wanted to say, stay specifically in the National League East. I do. I think 98% of the time, money talks loudest. And and what you just said is what lights a fuse under so many Twins fans. When they hear that, and I don't think you're wrong, I think you're right about that. I think, all right, listen, uh, Madison, we're the Diamondbacks. We just we just got our way out of a bad Zach Greinke contract, so we want you, but we're not going to go bonkers and give you $30 million a year like we gave Zach Greinke, and just, we, just, we, we weren't comfortable with, with that level of payment. So we're going to give you the eighty, uh, ninety million dollars. Maybe we can go up closer to a hundred. And if you're the Twins, you have to know in these situations if you want these players, they don't want to play in Minnesota. They want to play in the National League. In some cases, you're going to have to go above and beyond. So let's say the price for Madison Bumgarner was five years and one hundred twenty-five million dollars. That listen, that's the tax you pay to pull me out of the National League, pull me away from Scottsdale, Arizona. And spend five years in an area that I really, quite frankly, don't want to play in. But I do think you guys have a good team, and I think there's a chance to win a championship. A, do they know that that's the tax? And B, would anyone in this room have gone five years, $125 million on Madison Bumgarner? Well, I think they do. And I think depending on the player, the situation, I do think that they are willing to go pretty far down the road. Whatever that might be. For that's term... If that's prospects in an upcoming trade, I do think that they realize that at some point they are going to have to overpay to acquire a really good pitcher. Would I give Madison Bumgarner five years, one hundred and twenty-five million? No, I would not. Boy, I mean, that's the thing. Like, I probably would because I, I don't care about the last two years. I just, I think, I think the next three years, if he's a guy that elevates your rotation, but does he? I'm willing to overpay for the next. We three can have years. a healthy back and forth about that. Maybe he does in twenty twenty. But I don't know. And I get it. I mean, he's never faced any baseball yeah. injuries, right? I mean, the big injury was, was it his motorcycle or dirt bike? Yeah, it's a dirt bike. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, really, he's been relatively healthy. Yes. But I don't know if I could bank on that over the next few years with all the pitches and innings he's thrown. I'm just telling you, me personally, I would not have offered him five years. I understand where the Twins came from. So, what are they... as? far as the, the people that you talk to, Dukes, what are they willing to do here? Because at some point in time, you got two options here. You're either going to write out a contract that you don't like, but do it, or you got these prospects, and you're going to have to part with two yes. really good prospects. As you talk to people, what's your impression of, because you got to go down one path here eventually, which one are they going to ultimately take? I mean, I think they're down both paths, both with free agents, Ryu, Keichel, even Wood, Julio is the last name Tehran, mm-hmm. the former Brave. Am I saying that right? Yep, I mean Tehran. they've they've inquired on all these guys, but I also think whether it's Boyd in Detroit 
whether it's any number of guys in Miami, you know, you've brought up the name John Gray. I think the Rockies offer some intrigue, you know, when it comes to potential, you know, trade possibilities. I think there's probably some other names out there. Robbie Ray. We know that you Darvish has no trade power. You Darvish is not waving his no trade to come to Minnesota. But I do think there are some intriguing trade possibilities. But I also think those teams are waiting just a bit more, right? Like the teams that swing and miss on Ryu or Keuchel, I think they might be willing to offer that much more for a Robbie Ray or you name the starting pitcher Boyd. I mean, I do think the Tigers ultimately deal Boyd. Is it now? Is it in July? I mean, I think that trade happens. It's just a matter of when. I know that the GM there in Detroit, Avila, has asked about Eddie Rosario in the past. Now, clearly, the Twins would have to offer more, right? You're not getting Matthew Boyd straight up for Eddie Rosario. It would have to be Rosario, plus a really good prospect or multiple prospects. But I would not shut the door on a trade possibility. But that being said, they absolutely are still in touch with Scott Boros, who represents Ryu and Keiko. By the way, this uh, this is the scoop segment. Uh, we've brought it back here on the old Mackie and Judd show. Doogie joined us in the mornings for several years, every Friday, I believe it was, and then we kind of bounced it around. But every Tuesday, either at 4.30 or 5, we're going to keep it in the middle of the show somewhere. Doogie's going to join us. All kinds of inside information about Minnesota sports, uh, in this case, Hot Stove. And you can find his Scoop podcast twice a week, scorenorth.com, the Scorenorth app, also Apple or Spotify, wherever you find podcasts. Buster only tweeted this earlier today. An executive said a few weeks ago about the high volume of teams looking for starting pitching, quote, I don't know where they're all going to find it. With most of the best free agents signed, the teams seen by agents as most in need or desperate at the moment are the White Sox and the Twins. Would you say the Twins are desperate right now? Yeah, I mean, yes. I mean, they still want to upgrade the rotation. They realize to truly compete. I mean, not only, I mean... Let's be frank. I mean, they're not going to hit 307 home runs again. All these guys are not going to have career years again in 2020. So we need to be realistic that there will be some sort of step back. I don't think it'll be a significant step back, but some sort of step back with the offense that they realize to compete with the Yankees and some of these other teams in the American League. Yes, they need another really good starting pitcher. So, yeah, they do. They they realize that. I'm just saying, though, I can't. I get it. And it's a lot of people on social media. I understand that. I just, I can't go there right now, right? It's December 17th, not March 17th. If we need to have a frank conversation on March 17th, hey, me, you, everybody will pile on the twins if they don't do anything else. I mean, I'm willing to give them, though, a few extra months here. It's still relatively early. Depending, it's semantics, but depending on your what what you would term desperate, is there anybody in this studio who would say they're not desperate to upgrade their starting rotation when you only had two starters for a playoff series last year? I think they're desperate. Now, desperate can mean different things. I think Doogie is saying you're not really desperate until more names are off the market and we're closer to opening day, but I think they're in a position where they have to upgrade their starting rotation. To me, that's that's desperate. They need they need to do something. Do. When you need to do something, you're desperate. And I would say this, because I, I think Doogie, Doogie and I have been fighting the same people on Twitter for like the last week and a half. And yeah, I'm, I'm worn I out. Thought you guys, <laughs> I thought you guys <laughs> said the Twins were going to make a splash. We're the pull-out pocket protectors. Do- I've heard that so often. Do- Your problem is you call people and get parameters of deals and tweet that out, and nobody wants that. I know. But it's news. I like it personally, but the people... 
you're fighting, all are like, yeah, they're just but, feeding and, and, you that. And here's kind of where I'm at with this, okay? And this amazingly, is, more often than not, I'm not getting that from the twins. It's not like the twins are feeding me that information. Know, oh, right. just, no. Yeah, the, the twins aren't running, for people out there, the twins aren't running an elaborate PR scheme to, hey, let's just make, let's make an offer, but let's make sure that the offer is just low enough, but just high enough to be that perfect. They call the Diamondbacks. What are you yeah. offering? Okay, oh, we perfect. We just want to come in a little lower than that so that we can make, we can look good from a PR standpoint. But where I'm at is, this offseason requires a starting pitching upgrade of some kind. When I say upgrade, I mean an upgrade to your playoff rotation. I don't think I don't think it has to be a number one starter because I think you can still get that in July, but you have to have a better overall rotation to start your season, or it's a failed off season in my mind. I'm not gonna call it a failed off season on December seventeenth. Is it fair to say on the other side of that sentence? Boy. A lot of names have come off the board. None of them have signed with the Twins. What's really left out there? There's like two or three guys out there. Dallas Keuchel, I think, raises the bar of your number three, number four starters, and he's a good pitcher. Um, But there's trade avenues. I want to see what their plan B, C, D is. If they make a trade for John Gray in a month from now, boom, awesome offseason. So I'm not going to rip them until spring training starts. So people like, why don't you, why don't you... Listen, it's December 17th. It's a bad start in terms of bringing in outside free agents. They haven't they haven't been able to strike on a Zach Wheeler, but let's give I mean, them some time. I mean, that was their guy. That was plan A. So maybe in hindsight, maybe the mistake they made, with no guarantee, by the way, that Wheeler says yes. But instead of slow playing, waiting until early December, do what the Braves did, right? The Braves, and I get it, there was a deadline with the qualifying offer and all that, but they snatched up Will Smith, snap of the fingers. Yeah. Right? Days into free agency. They also wrapped up a catcher, right? The former Ray and Matt, I forget his name, Travis, whatever his name is, begins with a D, his last name. They got him signed, snap of the fingers. The Braves were the one team that decided, okay, right. within days, let's go do some stuff. Correct. Maybe the Twins should have made Wheeler a five-year offer, a strong offer, literally, the first 24 hours of free agency. And again... He might have said, because he's got a smart agent, the agent might have said, yeah, we're not going to take that, and maybe that's not a shrewd negotiating move. Maybe it's idiotic, right? I mean, you know, there's got to be some back and forth. I don't know if you make your best offer within the first 24 hours, but I'm just saying in hindsight, maybe they should have been, however you want to define this, maybe they should have been more aggressive on Wheeler those first couple weeks of free agency. I think the difference or the issue that we're dealing with here in these conversations is pretty simple as well. There's the group, and they've been around forever, long before Twitter probably, and they'll be around for a long time that just think the poll ads are trying to be cheap. And so those are the people that get on Twitter on Saturday, Sunday, Monday, they don't care and fight. This is not um, the poll ads, But hold on. Though, right? Wait, 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 wait. If but, the Twins went off for Bumgarner five yes, years, she would have said yes. Yes, but here's the conversation. The real one that, that I think in the studio we are having is this. It's the unknown. Falvey and Levine are at a point right now that we have never seen, which is you're really good, and you could get over that hump. How are you going to do it? The deadline did nothing to solve that. You, you got Sam Dyson, okay? So I think the I think the critical conversation is not the poll ads are cheap. The critical conversation is what do you plan to do? Because because so far in your tenure here, you both have not tipped your hand to that. Are you going to go on the market and sign one huge contract? Are you going to go sign a couple? Are you going to trade your top two prospects? I don't know yet. 
So I think the actual critical, interesting sports twins conversation here is not, you guys are cheap. It's, how are you going to do it? Because we don't know yet. To me, real quick, Doogie, if I could just interject this. Of course, it's your show. It it doesn't... It doesn't matter who you're blaming or why you think the Twins continue to miss out on the Madison Bumgarners and the Zach Wheelers of the world. It's a point I've made before on this show. If you're a Twins fan, if you're a lifelong Twins fan, you've gone a lifetime without them landing the top free agent or even any big ticket free agent. It just hasn't happened. You can blame the poll ads. You can blame Falvey and Levine in more recent years. You can blame the financial structure of baseball, or you're, maybe you're a little bit more level-headed and you understand that guys like Madison Bumgarner and Zach Wheeler have other things on their agenda that send them to Philadelphia and Arizona, respectively. But that doesn't make me feel better if I'm a lifelong, twi- lifelong Twins fan and I have no reason to believe that they're going to land the guy that they need to land to seriously talk World Series in this Now, one comeback to that is they did outbid Houston and Tampa a year ago for Nelson Cruz, and I get it. 39 years old, you know, at the time, way past his prime. Now, it turns out Nelson Cruz was was off the charts good last year, but I'm just saying, I mean, I get it. That's a small precedent, but there is at least some sort of precedent for them willing to outbid another team. But I get it. I get the frustration. I get it, Rami. I think what you just said represents a ton of fans. I, I do. I truly, to me, I truly understand To me, that. it doesn't matter why it hasn't happened. All that matters is that it hasn't happened, and until it does, yeah. I can't believe that it will, and it's more frustrating every time another guy goes off the board like Bumgarner did this week. Yeah, also worth noting, too, these guys, and again, there's, there's a certain chunk of fans that are going to think that I'm lying, that I'm on the Twins' payroll, this front office is so much more interested and aggressive, and it's just set up because of how good the Twins were last year to make a move and to offer nine figures to a Zach Wheeler or to a U Darvish a couple of free agencies ago, right? And the fact that they're throwing around big contracts and they're in the mix, and some of these guys are still choosing to go to Arizona and Philadelphia, I think it's just like it, it just crystallizes how hard it's going to be and how much you're going to have to overpay. And ideally, if it's me, I'm overpaying in money this offseason. This is why I'd be kicking myself if Zach Wheeler was number one on the list. Better to pay Zach Wheeler more in money and then save some of your prospects to trade in July. If the path now to upgrading your rotation and then getting a final piece in July, if that's the path you're headed down, if that involves prospects now and prospects in July, now you've completely gutted your farm system for a one-time run. I'd rather spend money than prospects if I could upgrade the rotation and the ship is kind of sailing. Now, what if they like, what, where are they at? Like, have you heard anything on Dallas Keuchel, for instance? Cause Keuchel would be a really good, Keuchel would give you four really strong starters. And then the hope would be that Barrios takes a step and becomes your true ace, right? And like you Severino deal for somebody did. maybe in July. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they've had back and forth with, with Boros. I mean, they have a pretty good relationship with Scott Boros. They did the Marwin Gonzalez deal with him. Heck, I think for a stretch, he represented Rocco Baldelli. He represents Alex Kirilov, Bruce Dargraderol. I mean, Scott Boros has clients with the Twins. Yeah. The Twins front office has a good relationship with him, but make no mistake, Boros, speaking of desperation, or however you want to term it, <laughs> Boros looks at the Twins and says, heck yeah, they need a starter, and if they're getting one of my guys, they are going to have to overpay significantly. Yeah, I don't blame them. It's a good stuff. Scott Boros? Is, boy, this is... Scott Boros is the MVP of the winter in baseball right now. <laughs> the guy has... <laughs> look at what he's cleared. Literally inked almost a billion dollars in contracts. Cole, in free agency Strasburg, up. Rendon, correct, just to start? 
And so. uh, Must- was it Mustakis a Scott Boros client? Mustakis is a Scott Boros client. That's just a cool Angels, uh, 50, but, By the way, get Rendon, who's fantastic. Look at their pitching right now. You talk about teams desperate. That's why they're going to overpay for well, Ryu Because they were supposed somebody. to get Garrett yeah. Cole. They, they mean, thought, oh, we're going to be in on Garrett Cole. Guess who didn't get Garrett Cole? Boris knows that. I know. And he realizes the White Sox are looking for Phil, a starter. So I mean, that's right. who the Twins are competing with. Yep. I mean, yeah. in, in large part, it's the Angels and the White Sox. Look at those, look at those two franchises. But, I mean, the Twins, what's interesting is, I mean, I think, I mean, they've, they are casting a wide net. Like, I heard today that they inquired on Avisel Garcia, who signed with the Brewers, an outfielder. Like, we know that's not a need, but they've talked trade yeah, with, you know, Miami in regards to Cave, Rosario. So if you're moving Rosario, maybe Garcia could have been a logical replacement. I just, I get the sense that they've made a lot of phone calls. So yeah, I get it. Talk is cheap, right? Like, we need to see some action. Yeah. One more thing here real quick, because I know you just, I want to give you a chance here. You said a couple minutes ago, Doogie, it's not the poll ads. It's the front office. Well, when fans hear, hey, money talks, and if they really wanted Mad Bum, go five years on $125 million, why was the offer not made for $125 million over five years? And people automatically think, well, if Jim Polad, and I don't even disagree, if, if Jim Polad were to walk into Derek Falvey's office and say, listen, man, I know that you're trying to make smart, savvy moves here as a front office, but quite frankly, I don't give a rip. If Mad Bum's your guy, $140 million, blank check, whatever it is. Like, I think... That's where fans' frustration is. Why doesn't the owner come down and say, bleep it, I want to win a World Series? Well, and there are owners involved. I mean, Boros actually ends up negotiating oftentimes with owners, not with general managers. Yeah, look at those contracts. Trust me, he he went through the Angels owner to get the Rendon deal done. That wasn't through Epler, the GM. Right. Now, whether Boros has talked to Jim Polat about Ryu or Keiko, that I don't know at this moment, but I'm just saying. I'm telling you, Scott Boros goes right to ownership. I also will say this much, though. Who knows if Jim Pollard had that sort of reputation? Who knows if they're able to make a smart, savvy hire like a Derek Falvey? If you're able to convince a smart guy like Fad Levine to leave Texas to come here? Trust me, there's a lot of front office executives that want nothing to do with an owner that is constantly involved like yeah. that. Uh, here's a question for the next segment here, because I think Twins fans deserve a voice in this as well. Mackie and Jeb with Rami, Doogie with his scoop segment here. Where are you at as a fan right now? Now that the Twins have missed on Zach Wheeler, they've missed on Madison Bumgarner, names are coming off the board. What are your thoughts on the current state of the Twins this hot stove season? 651-646-8255. And uh, go find Doogie's scoop podcast twice a week. Score North app. Apple and Spotify. When are you? Uh, when are you reporting on TV next? When can we find you? TV. I'll have a story running on Thursday. I'll be all over the television next week. Monday with the Vikings Packers game. Some stuff Tuesday, Wednesday, later in the week. So yeah, all over Channel Five. Also, Kyle Gibson. I texted with Kyle the other day. He should record something with me for the Scoop Podcast later this week. Awesome. Nice. Thanks, Doogie. You got Start it. Take it easy, boys. All right. Mackie and Judd with Rami, Score North and the Score North app. And we'll come back. A couple things here. Let's. If you are a Twins fan and you're frustrated, Twins Vent Line impromptu next, 651-646-8255. And uh, I see the guys conveniently omitted something from yesterday's show that we have to get to, specifically Rami. But let's talk about TCL for a brief moment here. TCL is America's fastest-growing TV brand. Speaking of hot stove, We've been watching all kinds of MLB Network and winter meeting stuff in here, but we just turned the TCL TV off today because we're just sick of seeing players fly off the board and go to other teams. 
It's not the TV's fault. It's just a decision that we've made here. Yeah, in we we can control what yeah. goes on the TV. I just don't need to see another uh, star pitcher in free agency sign with you know the Atlanta Braves or something. Okay, we're just gonna we're gonna give the hot stove a little break here on the TCL TV. So uh, let's talk about the other thing that TCL is offering here. That would be amazing seating experiences at Target Center to watch the Timberwolves. In fact, you can sit in a TCL theater box this upcoming. Uh, December 28th against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Four tickets available if you want a chance to win them. Scorenorth.com, keyword TCL. We're talking about a VIP experience unlike any other inside Target Center. TCLUSA.com to find out more about TCL TVs. And Scorenorth.com, keyword TCL, to win those tickets. Also, Federated Insurance is uh, one of our favorite partners around here on the Mackie and Jeb with Rami show. Federated's here to help business owners in many, many different areas, from wholesalers to retailers, auto services, dealerships, machine, plastics, tooling, cabinet, custom woodworking. If your business falls under one of those categories, or maybe it's a different category and you want to find the full list, federatedinsurance.com, here to bring peace of mind to business owners. You work your butt off every day. You are grinding. You're building. When something potentially bad happens to the company that you have been building, You want a great face-to-face relationship. You want more than just a policy. You want a century of experience standing behind you, based in Owatonna, Minnesota, I might add, and that's what Federated brings. You get that frontline protection that Federated provides, ready to create a custom playbook of specialty insurance products. Again, federatedinsurance.com, and that's where you can find your Federated representative as well. Federated, it's their business to protect yours. What are you about to do to me? TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With Rami. Throws along yardage, and here are the Vikings knocking at the door again, and boom! To the end zone for the touchdown! Yeah, I thought he, you know, I thought Boone really did a nice job. He ran hard. Um, You know, when Dalvin was in there, uh, it was a little tougher sledding just because some guys um, outran some of our guys to get to the uh, to some of the plays. But um, overall, I thought I thought it was good. And then, uh, you know, to get uh, some carries out of. uh, Amir and then out of Boone. Mike Boone, third string running back, couple of touchdowns, first first two career touchdowns for Mike Boone in that game. That was a nice game for him. Forty eight huh? yards. He's a capable backup. He is a capable backup to the backup, actually. And I, that's why I want to mm-hmm. tee Judd up here for something. Mackie and Judd with Rami, Score North and the Score North app. And we will get to something that was very conveniently omitted from yesterday's show, I might add. <laughs> he was- we'll get to something here. <laughs> Fairly soon. I don't know what you're talking about. Yep. Uh-huh. Just, uh, yep. It's okay. Just oh, look at that. Though. Interesting. Yep. That little play on the play sheet that wasn't called yesterday. But, uh, but Judd. What did you do? It wasn't even on the play sheet. Kill, yesterday. kill, kill. Let's, get, let's clear that up. Kill. <laughs> but Judd, who do you think we should be giving more praise to and talking about when it comes to the Vikings offense here? I'm glad you asked because I actually, uh, between shows today, 
wrote something for scorenorth.com that you can find right now. And the Score North mobile app. It's your one-stop <laughs> shop for all written content. I, I feel like I can't escape him. It's like I'm being followed around by him. It's like the devil, the devil on my shoulder, Rami Maklov. Is this what happens when Judd goes out and like mingles with, yeah. with various people? Hi, I'm Judd Zolgad from Score North and scorenorth.com. And I jump out from over his shoulder. I'm like, and the Score North, North mobile app. app. Totally free. I don't know if you guys have heard, but you can stream as well. Just go home, dude. Go home. <laughs> uh, so, so it, it's good to be in the last week or so. You know, the guy we don't talk about much. And again, I'm going to be, I'm going to clear this up before I start because I feel like if I say this, that I'm going to get the cousins people saying you are not crediting Kirk. Kirk Cousins has since week four has been very good, right? Since week five, he's been very good. First four games were rough. What are you saying about his first four games? They Mr. were not ne- good. No, so negative. They were not Always good. ripping Kirk Cousins. Kevin Stefanski, 37-year-old, first year as the OC, has been fantastic. He's the guy calling the plays here. So all credit to him. He very well might be a head coach in a month plus from now. So both of them deserve credit. But the guy that we don't talk about and who doesn't really talk to the media much and we've forgotten about, I think, but deserves a ton of credit is Gary Kubiak. Gary Kubiak, to me, for a team in the Vikings who were up against the salary cap, who couldn't sign players for the most part, they re-signed Barr, but as far as going outside and signing offensive line help, that was upper echelon guys. They could not do it. They did not have the cap space. But the one competitive thing that the league does not account for is coaching, right? Mm-hmm. Filippo and this offense a year ago, and Cousins' stats, if you go look at them, are not awful. But if you watch the games like we did, you said, boy, that really didn't work very well. And you had some really nice pieces, really nice pieces, and it didn't work. Gary Kubiak's system, though, since week five has been fantastic. And he deserves, I think, so much credit. And also that things like after the week four debacle in Chicago, Stefan Diggs, so upset, and he was not upset at Cousins. He was upset because the offense was run, 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 and didn't pass enough for his taste, and Stefan Diggs was probably right. Mm-hmm. Disappears for two days, okay? In a lot of situations, that is cause for big-time concern. That is cause for coaches to say, this is my system, Stefan, and if you don't like it, it's too darn bad. Stefan Diggs, since week five, has been an important factor. I believe that, that we saw a coaching staff and a guy in Kubiak who said, okay, you know what, I'll tweak it, that's cool, we'll do this. Gary Kubiak, to me, is one one of the unsung heroes of the National Football League coaches in 2019. And two, if you look at what this offense has done and progressed, it has taken a quarterback who last year put up good stats, but looked lost at times. Mm-hmm. Certainly did not look comfortable a lot of times. And that guy has become not an MVP candidate in my mind, but he's been in the conversation and since week five has been really damn good. Gary Kubiak deserves a ton of credit. I think I I said a few weeks ago, Gary Kubiak is the real MVP of the Minnesota Vikings because you look at the the ripple effect of what Gary Kubiak and all the people who he's impacted in the Vikings organization. It starts right at the top with Mike Zimmer. I remember during training camp him talking about Having a resource like that, a guy who's been a head coach in this league, has been to the mountaintop, has been a Super Bowl winning head coach in this league, and just being able to bounce things off of him that he's he's struggled with or he's just thought about how could I do it more effective from the way that they they format their their practices to 
a team playing with expectations because the Vikings have had this on-year, off-year thing where they make the playoffs, don't make the playoffs, make the playoffs, don't make the playoffs. He said that was one of the things that he really had a, a, a deep conversation with Gary Kubiak about is how do you get your team ready to play when there are expectations on them already? Then look at what he's done for Kevin Stefanski, a young First time offensive coordinator sat down with him and they put together this playbook together. And I'm sure that he's, he's an, uh, a, a, a shoulder for Stefanski to lean on, an ear for him to talk to when he has questions about being an offensive coordinator in the NFL. Not an easy undertaking, especially not your first time. And the effect that that's had on Kirk Cousins and then the effect that improved quarterback play has on everybody around you. Like I said, the ripple effect of Gary Kubiak within the Vikings organization is borderline immeasurable. And I'm not kidding when I say that I think he's the MVP of this franchise right I now. I mean, he has. Have you guys ever looked at his history with quarterbacks and running backs, too? It's remarkable. I mean, like, I'm going to give you guys. And the I, run game is exactly right. That's a great point, too. And this is no disrespect to Dalvin Cook because Dalvin Cook is amazing. And I still think he's one of the three or four best running backs in the NFL. Uh, earlier this year, I might have said he's number one, but I mean Christian McCaffrey. There's there's some dudes right now in the NFL, but just like as a head coach alone, Gary Kubiak has turned guys like Brock Osweiler, Matt Schaub, and Trevor Simeon into viable to winning quarterbacks. Uh, he went nine and seven with Trevor Simeon in 2016 as head coach of the Broncos. Now that was a year after they won the Super Bowl with broken down Peyton Manning. Think about that accomplishment the next year that no one really talks about. Nine and seven with Trevor Simeon as a head coach. Let's trick up the system. Let's do things that Trevor Simeon can do well. Some of the running backs that he has squeezed either thousand yard seasons out of or close to thousand yard seasons with four or five yards of carry. And uh, and some of these names are going to be blast from the past type names. But Arian Foster was undrafted. And I think it's easy for us in retrospect to be like, oh, yeah, Arian Foster was one of the best running backs in the NFL for a few years. Probably in part because he had Gary Kubiak scheming and head coaching. Isn't that fair to say? I mean, if you're seeing guys like Ronnie Hillman, who was a third-round pick, rush for a bunch of yards, or Ben Tate was another guy that had a couple big seasons under Gary Kubiak with the Houston Texans, or Alex Madison with the Vikings, who's really good. But uh, and yesterday, and, uh, two days ago, Mike Boone, like the fact that you can say Trevor Simeon, Matt Schaub, Brock Osweiler, Ronnie Hillman, Arian Foster, Ben Tate. Alex Madison, third-round pick rookie. And then Mike Boone just kind of slides in and looks amazing and scores two touchdowns. It, it's it's amazing from afar. Without knowing how the stew is made and without knowing what goes on behind the curtain, he clearly does things with scheme and offensive line that puts quarterbacks and running backs in great positions to to over to, to, to go above and beyond what their draft status or what maybe their talent level would suggest they should do. Last year, the Vikings... Run game, which is what drove Zimmer nuts, right? 30th, 93.9 yards per game yeah. last year. This year, offensive line, still, you know, I mean, personnel-wise improved a little. Scheme-wise changed totally, right? Fourth, 135.9 yards per game. Yeah, The run game, just start there. And this line, keep in mind, this line, what, the first three or four games, we all said, whoa, <laughs> they can run block, but... Kirk Cousins is is a dead man, right? Since week five or so, it's been changed a little bit, right? Okay. All right, let's play the game here. Extend year to year fire. Oh boy, are right. you doing this again? Judd floated this Hang one. On. I floated this one before the show. Paper okay. and a pen. All right. I love this game. Extend year to year or fire 
It's date, Mary kill for football. <laughs> or you could, or you could do date, Mary kill if you want to as well. It's up to you. All right. Kirk Cousins, Mike Zimmer, or Gary Kubiak as, is it fair to say, Judd, the spirit of this was Gary Kubiak as the offensive yeah. puppeteer? Yep. The, the behind the scenes the guru, guru. The guru. Saving okay. jobs. All right. Yes, sir. Rami. You're going to make me go first. <laughs> yep. <sighs> Extend this, year to year yeah, or fire. I, I know how the game is played. I know. This is hard, man. This is really hard. I th- well, I'm firing Zim. Wow. Let's start there. Actually, wow. it's not that hard. This became very clear to me. <laughs> really? Yes. <laughs> not that hard. So far, I'm with you. Okay. Just so you guys know, there are other offensive gurus, okay? Like Gary Kubiak. Praise. I don't want to take away the last 10 minutes. He deserves praise, but. Yeah. Zim's defense is Yeah, he's still fired. Um, Cornerbacks aren't as good as they used to be, too. Remember that. <laughs> I, think, I think I'm firing Zim. I'm extending Kubiak and going year to year with Cousins. Are we on the same page here, Knuckles Judge? right there, There baby. we go. Yes, there we are. go. That's exactly what I thought. Mm-hmm. All right, screw it. I'm firing Zim, too. <laughs> Can't believe you guys baited me into this. <laughs> Kubiak's younger. Kubiak's only 58. I know he's had some health issues, but like, if needed, he could step up into a head coaching role. If needed. like You fired Zim, and now Gary Kubiak kind of slides in there and... Just give him an extra day off per week and keep an eye on that ticker, all right? <laughs> you make it sound so simple. <laughs> keep an eye on that ticker. Hey, Coops, keep an eye on the ticker. And then uh, I guess I guess I go I go year to year on Cousins still, and I would extend Gary Kubiak to yeah. So I'm with, I guess I'm with Rami, right? Yeah, I am too. Or did you yeah. extend Cousins? No, that's no, what you, I did. No, year to year? Cousins year to year. Wow. Six five one six four six eight two five five. Christine, you're down in southern Minnesota. You're on with Mackie, Judd, and Rami. Hey there. Um, I I have a question about if Stefanski leaves, is there a possibility we could slide Kubiak into OC and maybe bring in a younger mind to work with him so that if Kubiak does have health issues, the other guy can step in? Is that at all a possibility? So I would almost and, yeah. Go. You have a second question. Go ahead. No, that's okay. I'll, I was going to say I'll hang up and listen. Cool. Um. Well, I think it, it works so well this way because Gary Kubiak can sort of, I'm sure he puts in a ton of hours and he grinds, but he can sort of be the behind-the-scenes guy, doesn't have to go to the podium, talk to the media. It works so well with Kubiak as the overlord and Stefanski, the up-and-coming young hot coordinator guy, as the front man. It doesn't work as well if Kubiak is in the front-facing offensive coordinator role, then your up-and-coming guru would almost have to be the quarterback's coach, right? So now you're talking about... Which is his son. Yeah. Which actually might be, if Stefanski leaves, I would not be shocked if Clint Kubiak became the OC. That would not shock me. I think my guess is Gary loves this. Gary's won a Super Bowl, right? He doesn't. He's been head coach for a long time. He doesn't need to be like, oh, now I'm now I'm going to the podium on Thursdays to talk to the media. He doesn't need that, right? Yeah. But his son... You know, transitions to that job, things like dad, Stefanski, same type of deal. Now, I could see if Kevin leaves, make your kid OC, you stay. The key is Gary stays. I don't care how you get him to stay. I'm with you. The key is he stays because he's got the keys to, to the cousin's toy. And that's the most important thing to me. Yeah, when they first brought him on board, I, I and I remember saying this in my first write that down when I said Gary Kubiak will be the head coach of the Minnesota Vikings before 2019 is up, which you can go ahead and strike off my uh, if you haven't already my uh, batting percentage right gonna, now. It's going to hurt you for the batting title. It right? will, I know, but I'm still going to win it. 
I said, I don't think Gary Kubiak comes out of retirement to be some sort of consultant slash quote unquote assistant head coach. A guy gets back in the business to get back to the mountaintop to be a head coach and hopefully take his team to the promised land. That, that is becoming more and more clear to me every day that that's, that's not the case. I think Gary Kubiak is very content and happy with the role that he has with the Vikings right now. Kind of behind the scenes, kind of under the radar, but I'm sure collecting a nice paycheck. And he knows the hand that he plays and whatever success the Vikings have. He doesn't need the praise and the attention for doing it. I think he just loves football and loves the people who he's working with and gets the satisfaction just from doing the job. I feel like his 2015 coaching job with the Denver Broncos, Gary Kubiak, that's one of the more underrated coaching jobs because Peyton Manning was cooked, almost completely cooked except mentally, right? His arm was cooked. And physically, he wasn't able to. I mean, he was he was never mobile, but he was just a statue in the pocket. And they had to sit him for a few weeks because he was injured, but also like they sat him because he was bad. You look like your guy did on Sunday, Philip Rivers. Yeah, that was boy. He's still my guy, but I thought of you a few times. My God, yeah, he's. Uh, I don't know what you're thinking these days. <laughs> well, I'm what He's still like career wise, he's my guy. He's not my guy. He's like not my guy this Trying year. Trying to shot. Put the football around the field. He's always been a little bit hey, of a shot putter. Hey, can you catch this? I know. What was he doing on the one, like the interception? He was it Harrison the Smith? Ball. The one that he just lobbed over the yeah, middle? that was late in the first and, half. And right before that happened, Trent Green on the broadcast goes, now it's the third long here. Was it third and 14 yes. or something? Third and 17? And, yes. You know, you just want to make sure that you don't turn the ball over here. And like literally as he finishes his sentence, because there's a minute left in the half, there's Phillip Rivers just blindly throwing a ball into coverage. Yeah, he's a. Uh, the Neil Hunter rushed him, and I swear to God, Philip dropped the football. It wasn't like he really fumbled it. He's just like, I, I'm too old for this. He got nervous. And uh, Mike Zimmer's post game. You guys hear Mike Stunt. Zimmer's post game locker room speech, in which no. uh, they kind of edited it up and took out. It's, it's not great for radio because there's so many little swear words and stuff. But but his main message was, Hey boys, as we said all week, there's going to be a lot of opportunities for turnovers. Let's make sure we get some of them, and they got seven. So. Yeah. Three interceptions by your guy, right? And two fumbles I think by Gordon. Two interceptions by Philip Rivers and one fumble lost. I oh, think I think okay. I'm right about that. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, still uh, pretty bad. I mean, can you explain what happened on yesterday's show? I um, leave for one day. He was in that chair. Had, uh, for one day. He had, he had to control show. the button bar. What do you mean? We talked some talked some Vikings, obviously, day after a big win. We uh got into some twins hot stove discussion on the heels of Bumgarner mm. and Kluber. Yeah. We of course That's wrapped two with segments. Royce. You know what he did? He um, he had the play chart on his wrist, and he erased the red zone offense. <laughs> he went into the show without the red zone offense. I don't know what you guys. So are I'm like, what about. are you doing, dude? Oh, this. You you mentioned how disconnected the offense felt, how discombobulated the offense felt. And I know it's multifaceted. You have so many backups playing right now. But, like, where was the stuff that worked against the Cowboys? I, I, I get that the Packers may have attacked you differently, but there was, like, none of it. Like, Trubisky's best throw was when he rolled right and threw back to his left, Anthony Miller. You need to do more of this. He's good at this stuff. Yeah, I mean, if it was just a matter of the Packers taking it away, then Trubisky wouldn't have said that after the game. To me, that was clearly him sticking up for himself. That was kind of boring. Is that the best we got? Yeah, that was kind yeah, of Where's main, the guy? Uh, our main guys weren't on. What? I don't know. I looked. They weren't done. They just quit. They're just yeah. done. 
It's over. <laughs> Wouldn't you that be was, after that? That was from the score in Chicago there? Uh, I think that was... WGN. Or I think that was one of WGN's podcasts. Yeah. Those other guys had a aneurysm. <laughs> They're out for the season. After this season, do you blame them? <laughs> so hold on a second. The Bears play the Packers and those guys don't work? I guess. I have no idea. No wonder we They must have had some other uh, well, See, guys, it was a programming decision on my part. I knew that we didn't have the goods. Okay. <laughs> and I thought... Sure. Yeah. All three, of All three of them are those guys. Let's give give it one more try here. I I don't know. We'll see. Nick Bukowski should not be like your highlight reel. Yeah. He should not be. You have an all-pro in Eddie Jackson. You got an all-pro in Kyle Fuller. You got an all-pro in Akeem Hicks, and he was good. Actually, in the first game back, I want to give Akeem Hicks a lot of credit for gutting this one out. But you have one of the best defenders in the game in Khalil Mack. I don't care how many guys are sending at him. Let's find ways to get this going. Yeah. You cannot have games like this, all important games like this, where Khalil Mack is held to one tackle on a give-up slide by Aaron Rodgers. What happened? This is like the NPR version of the Bears postgame show. <laughs> right here. When your guys like Ed, is it Ed O'Bradovich? Ed O'Bradovich right? and Dan Hampton, yeah. When those guys are on, it's classic Chicago sports talk, and we're going to berate the Bears. He should fire himself! That that type of stuff. That was stuff. the greatest yeah. thing of the season. And then this is like, you're uh, you know, you're going through, you're looking for a little traffic update, a little weather update, and uh, I wonder what the NPR guys are saying about the Bears. And the defense does deserve blame. Yes. <laughs> a lot of the season I've defended the defense. Well, then you might as well just go total NPR, right? 522 on 1500. Talking about so. the Vikings game. The Vikings today beat the Chargers in a very excellent production. And then you flip over. My God, 16 games to make yourself a world championship. Last year, we win 12 games, 11 on defense. (laughs) And they had everything going for them, every break. And coming into this year, does that coaching staff realize it? Has Mitch Trubisky realized it? Is he a better quarterback this year than he was the prior year or the prior year before that? No. He's gone backwards. And whose fault is it? Nagy. Okay, so what's the fallout here? Your Bears are, the dream is dead, no playoffs. I don't think you're going to see major changes. I really don't. I think they're back with Nagy and Trubisky next year. Did you guys see the big news today from Detroit? Yeah, Patricia's coming back. Yeah. The GM and Patricia. Vikings fans, one more year of Lions incompetence well, on the horizon. Rock it up. But if you're right and Trubisky comes back now, and let's say they say, you know what, we've seen some good things from Mitch late in the season. The Vikings fans are, you, you know what good shape you're in? You're telling me, though, if you're, okay, if you're the Bears and Cam Newton hits the market and Tom Brady hits the market. I'm throwing it out there. You're telling me that Mitch Trubisky is still the starting quarterback in Chicago? Yeah, I think he is. I really do. Vikings fans, again, rejoice. And I can see why you would say that. Oh. I can see why you would say that. because, But I think it has less to do with Mitch Trubisky than it does with Matt Nagy, the okay. guy calling the plays. Because Mitch Trubisky, when you do things like they said in that clip, and they were referencing something Mitchell Trubisky said after the game, 
when you put him in certain positions, do certain things with the play calling, he's good at some. He can do <laughs> some things well. Boy, this and is, well this is so Christian Ponder. That this is no. I see it in Ponder. We need to have a talk. No, Rami. we don't. You need to sit, we need to sit you down, Rami. Listen, as a Sage t- Rosenfeld says the same thing on this show. Whenever we ask him about Mitchell Trubisky, says the same thing. You're asking him to do things he's not good at, rather than asking him to do things he's good at. I'm not telling you that Mitchell Trubisky is an all-pro. I'm not telling you he's going to be Aaron Rodgers. Could he be Kirk Cousins? Yes. Mitchell Trubisky could be Kirk Cousins. I disagree with that You need to put him in the right place. I'm not going to fight you. In the right system. You're right. With the right pieces around him and play to his strengths. Go on. It's it's beyond belief, and you got to say, oh well, don't go crazy and say, oh, you know, they won, they won. Hey, folks, what are you trying to do? What are you, what is the objective? To wallow around with a bunch of pigs and finally find a way to win, or be a, a, a dominant team that is willing and able to divide for championships? This thing today, it was a joke. <laughs> Sorry. How do you roll that guy out once? In a whole game, you rolled him out once. Again. Whatever they got to do to keep it up, keep it up. I mean. Lions are going to keep Patricia. Rodgers is aging and his receivers aren't good. If I'm a Vikings fan right now. You're feeling. I'm feeling real good. Feeling nice. Feeling nice. (laughs) I still don't think that the Vikings are off the hook for week 17, though. There's just something about the Bears always in those situations. I agree. Until until they're winning convincingly, I'm with you on that. So we'll come back. A little cram session action. In fact, I see on the cram session schedule that uh, Cousins Kubiak Zimmer wasn't the only game of extend year to year fire that we're going to play today or date, Mary kill. It's always your option. Mackie and Judd with Rami, Score North and the Score North app. All right, before we come back here with a little cram session, the cram session battle is, uh, is also hotly and tightly contested, too, in the standings. So we'll get to that. Let's talk about Luther Brookdale Toyota here on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard, where my family and I have been going for about 30 years, 30 plus years. Uh, the biggest sales event of the year is here right now. Toyotathon is on. Huge opportunity for you to get into the Toyota that you want and to save big, big money at my favorite car dealership. 0% financing for 60 months on all remaining 2019 Highlanders and closeout pricing on Tacomas and Forerunners. Not to mention the brand new 2020 RAV4s have arrived. RAV4s are great because it's a combination of spaciousness like an SUV and also handling like a Camry or a Corolla. The four-wheel drive has been very clutch for me the last few weeks, trudging around in some of these icy and cold and snowy conditions. So just stop in and find out what I've been raving about for years here on Score North, 694 in Brooklyn Boulevard and LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. Jonathan here with the Score North download. The Score North podcast network consists of more than a dozen shows from Purple Daily and Raised by Wolves to The Scoop with Doogie and Royce Unchained. You can find a full list of these Minnesota sports podcasts over at scorenorth.com and the free Score North mobile app or just search Score North, S-K-O-R North, anywhere you find podcasts. Mike Zimmer talking to the media yesterday, talking about his offensive line, which has shown vast improvement over the last couple weeks and not allowing a single sack of Kirk Cousins in their 39-10 win over the Chargers, saying this about their improvement. Well, I think it's um, more than one area. I think, uh, you know, I think Kevin has done a nice job calling the game, which helps. 
uh, helps um, the quarterback getting the ball out on time helps. He's not sitting back there and patting it. And then uh, the offensive line has done a nice job as well. So, you know, I think if you put all those three things together, um, uh, it's a combination of, of not getting negative plays. That's been your score, North Donald. Now back to Mackie and Judd Rami. Who's the winner? Some may say none of them. But let the games begin. Three questions, one winner. It's Cram Session with Mackie, Judd, and Rami. All right, Jonathan is the judge here, and uh, he asks us three questions, quite simply, and then awards us points based on our answers. And so far this season, gentlemen, Cram Session, and the, the stats are kept by our loyal listener, Marcus, we really appreciate this. Judd with 20 wins on the season, and Phil and Rami, we are both tied at 15 wins. So it's a battle for second place right now. Judd with a pretty pretty clear lead here. I thought it was closer, but Judd with a five-win huh? lead. So 20, 20 wins? 20-game winner. Judd also... Five in, years, 119, you boys think? In Major League Baseball-related questions, Judd has 18 wins to my 12 wins to Rami's seven wins. Is this the same as write that down where we clean the slate at the start of the year and it's a whole new game? That's up to Mark. <laughs> yeah, I think we'll probably keep overall stats and then maybe keep... Okay. Maybe keep Mark's early stats. Very stats. thorough. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but in terms of... Uh, Multifaceted. If there's a question involving two or more sports, uh, Rami and Judd are tied with 11, but I have 14 wins in those instances. Look at you. How about that? Would you like to know who does the best when answering leadoff? That would be Judd. He's got 19 wins when uh, when answering wow, first. Wow, these are play? some detailed statistics. Marcus Good is the God. man. I'm big. He's got splits in there. He's got splits. That's amazing. Tons of splits in here. Wow. Yep. All right, Jonathan, what do you got for us today before we ride with Roycey? Uh So this is probably the last cram session of the year slash decade because 2019 is ending in a couple weeks, and I won't be here over the next two weeks. So I wanted to ask you guys this. What was the best <laughs> Minnesota sports moment of the decade? I was originally just going to do sports moment of the decade, but I didn't ro- want Rami to brag once again that his Cubs won the World Series. It was pretty great. So it's going to be Minnesota sports moment of the decade. The Minneapolis Miracle. I'll go first and just say the obvious one. The Minneapolis Miracle is the greatest That's moment. That's how I win. It's the greatest moment <laughs> in my life watching Vikings football. And you might even argue that because they don't have a championship, it might be the greatest moment in the history of Vikings football, just the way that it went down. And the NFL just did their top like 100 plays or something. Mm-hmm. or And it was, I believe, the seventh greatest play in the history of the NFL. So, Minneapolis Miracle. All right, so th- this is interpretation, right? So th- this is my greatest Minnesota sports moment of the decade, Jonathan. Yeah. All right. I'm going to go with the with the uh, cherry on top of 2010, the Viking season that wouldn't end, and oh, I where you were gonna every okay. everything went wrong. No, 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 no. <laughs> Forget him. Forget any actual um, on field thing. I'm going with the Metrodome roof collapsing, and here's why. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty strong. Here's why. Because not only was it the coup de gras of a season gone so wrong that it became comical, mm-hmm. it was you know, and then you had to go play. Keep in mind the Giants in Detroit. So within a month's time, you had to go to Detroit twice, the most godforsaken place on the face of the earth, I do believe. And then here, here's why though. Ultimately, it's the greatest. That roof collapsing got U.S. Bank Stadium built. 
Because once that puppy came down, they had no choice but to say, this ain't working. Were they not necessarily set on going to a new stadium? Not at that point. Not at that point. It also broke broke Brett Favre's streak. uh, Yes. It had everything to it. So if I am going to look back at uh, 2010 to 2019, I'm actually going to say the Metrodome Roof Club's. I was going to say uh, January 15th, 2019, when uh, Rami Makhlouf came to score North, but I will go with another guy. <laughs> history might say uh, that that's the case. We'll see. The history may deem say that otherwise. to be the case, but I don't know that we can say that yet. Yet. Uh, but I'm going to go with another guy who made his way from Green Bay to Minnesota. I'm going to say it's when Brett Favre went from the Green Bay Packers to the Minnesota Vikings because you finally had a legit franchise quarterback, something that... Vikings fans yearned for their entire lives, and you stole him, although he had a year with the Jets. You took him from the team, the most hated team in the state of Minnesota, the Green Bay Packers, and that's got to feel good. That's got to feel real, real good to pull that knife out of your back and stick it right into Green Bay Packers. The judge is crinkling his nose over here. Okay. Because it, it falls last decade. Oh, it falls in technicality. It fell in 2009. Oh, Rami got screwed Sorry, by technicality. All right, then I'm going to go with me coming to storm. <laughs> <laughs> well, either way, your answer is wrong. Sorry. That's good. <laughs> I mean, if you were talking last decade, then yeah, Brett Favre probably is one of the greatest moments. I'm going to have to go Minneapolis Miracle here. I'm go with <laughs> Being here for Ventline that night and seeing that play happen and just losing. We all lost our collective minds as it was happening, and then quickly realizing, oh, crap, we got to start vent line, and quickly just adjusting to answering phones and getting the show on air. That was one we, of the funnest nights ever. By the way, we plan to repost that episode of Vikings Vent Line on the Minnesota Sports Rewind podcast nice. feed. Oh, that's cool. So uh, we're, we're likely sometime in the next couple weeks. So if you're not already subscribed, cheap plug to Minnesota Sports Rewind Subscribe, and we will replay that show that on Minnesota show. Sports Rewind. It's superstar Mike Morris, myself, Jonathan, answering phones. And we had we had sort of resigned to, well, another buzzkill loss. And then as we're about to go on, <laughs> oh, my God, this is happening right now. So, All right, question two. Quickly becoming one of our favorite segments within a segment, extend year to year or fire, boys. I'm choosing three Minnesota sports icons. None of them have won championships for this state, so they all kind of live in the same area here. Extend year-to-year fire Randy Moss, Brett Favre, KG. So are these just for clarification? I was torn, and then I wasn't. Can we go? (laughs) And now I'm not at all. Are we thinking of these guys in their their peak peak with the team, right? Yes. Okay. Can I go first here? Yep. Extend Moss. One of the most influential athletes, not only to come through this town, but in his sport, which is arguably the biggest sport, Randy Moss changed the National Football League. As far as I'm concerned, I don't care what you think of him personally. There were times where I thought he was a complete jerk. Don't care. Unbelievable. Year to year, Garnett. For a franchise, listen, for a franchise that's been as woebegone as the Wolves, Kevin Garnett, I mean, it's it is a crime and it is a shame the twenty one does not hang from the rafters of Target Center. But Kevin Garnett's run here was still damn good. It was a lot of fun and fire Brett Favre. Brett Favre ultimately it was fun and I love Favre and covering him was great. But ultimately he's a Packer. So so if I'm doing this from the prism of of our sports fandom here, Brett Favre's a Packer. Brett Favre came here. He cheated. He cheated with us on the Packers. Okay, 
It's that simple. But you know what? You're calling yourself okay, a side that. chick? Well, yeah. Okay, and guess absolutely. But it's funny. And it was a damn good summer. <laughs> it was. And guess what? And guess what? Eventually, you say, Brett, you got to go home. Which wrecker? Which Brett did? You're yes. admitting to being a well, home wrecker? Yes, no. we were Minnesota. Yes, we that were. We came back together eventually. Happily. Right, but he went back to his true love, yeah. which was the Packers. So I'm going Moss extend year to year with KG, and ultimately, you fire Brett. Boy, I mean, I'll go ahead, Rami. I'm firing Randy Moss. I'm going to fire Randy Moss because of the volatility. Like, when Randy Moss was at his best, everything Judd said about him was right. But you just never knew when Randy Moss was going to be happy, when he wasn't going to be happy, when he wanted out of the club, he wanted out of the locker room. He was just a little bit too volatile for me. Brett Favre, also volatile, but not to the degree of a Randy Moss, so I'll give him the year-to-year deal. In terms of loyalty and performance from the first day of their career to the end of their career, KG is the one on here who I think gives you the most long-term security, the most steady, stable presence in an organization. So fire Randy Moss year-to-year on Brett Favre, and I'm extending KG. We all have three different answers here. So I I fire Randy Moss as well because the game is extend year-to-year fire. I go uh, I go year to year on Kevin Garnett because he's he's just I mean he's amazing but I go extend Brett Favre because he's the most fun to watch of all of them I want Brett I, if if you go back in time and capture peak Brett Favre for like ten or fifteen years I keep I keep riding the roller coaster so just so I hear your list correctly Rami because I was answering the phone for Royce mm-hmm. what was your list again Fire Moss year to year Favre extend KG okay. I'm going to have to extend Favre. So, Phil's winning. Yes! I just really? love Brett yes. Favre, and I wanted more Brett Favre than the second year that we got. I wanted first year Brett Favre. Phil just for took the lead on you, Rami. I got bad news for you. <laughs> All right, what's question number three? This is, why you, this is why you beat the Chiefs and Seahawks like I did, so I don't have to worry about backing, about getting in. <laughs> All right, now that the Twins have missed out on Zach Wheeler, Madison Bumgarner, What's the move the Twins could do that would excite the fan base the most between now and opening day? Uh, honestly, if I'm if I'm polling Twins fans themselves, I'm not saying this is the logical, rational answer. I'm not saying this is what I condone, but Twins fans would say, would say the poll ads sell the team. <laughs> that that's that the cheap poll ads sell the team and get someone in here who's going to okay. spend actual money on free agents. That's what that's the move. Like. You can't tell me Dallas Keuchel's going to get people excited, even though he would be an upgrade. So, so. I'm going to go with trading for Noah Syndergaard from the New York Mets. And not necessarily, because you look at Noah Syndergaard compared to some of the guys who were on the free agent market, on the trade market, his injury history, and just his production, probably not the the greatest move they can make. It's an upgrade, but I think that the, the hype around Noah Syndergaard, the Thor nickname, the flowing hair, the good looks. He moves the needle for people when you talk. I remember around the trade deadline, that was who everyone wanted the Twins to go and get was Noah Syndergaard. So if we're just talking about what would excite the fan base, it's getting Thor here in Minnesota. I'm sending Byron Buxton, Sano to the Phillies, and I'm getting... Wheeler and I'm taking on that five-year, one hundred eighteen million dollar contract <laughs> to shut all you people up about how we're cheap. I don't think that's going to go. Sorry, Jed. I'm going with Thor. Trade for Noah Syndergaard. Trade for the guy that all the fans wanted I was with last last year. All right, so I pick up the win and uh, move ahead of Rami in the standings for Cam Pat, what, what what's your answer to that question? 
What is what is a move that would get fans I, uh, excited? I would point? give them Buxton and a hot and one of your best pitching prospects for Syndergaard for sure. I would do that. Yep. But yeah, that, I, would they I do know, that? But you got to really? re- you got to realize that two years from now you're going to have to pay him two hundred million dollars if he's good. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I I, uh, I I don't know, but yeah, I. I don't know what they wanted. They would have done it last summer. I don't know if they're going to do it now because they probably, the Mets probably think they're going to contend again because they always think they're going to contend again, right? But the Mets just signed, oh, I'm drawing a blank now. It was Waka and another starter that they signed. Porcello. Tra- Porcello and told yeah. them that they're both starting and yeah, now they have they have a surplus of starters, Pat. It sounds like someone is on the move, whether it's Syndergaard or Mats, I don't know, but it sounds like someone is on the move there. Well, I'd take one of them, and uh, if they think that, uh, you know, it, 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 you know, I don't think you can mention Waka and Syndergaard in the same breath. I would have taken Waka, by the way, but not, uh, you know, not not the Syndergaard. You're right, Syndergaard would shut a lot of people up if they got him. So, but I don't know. I don't know. My other one, I was more interested in the other question, though. Judd and, um, Judd and Mackey both going with Favre just because they want him to text a picture of his, uh, you know, what to him, I guess. Right? I never liked well, you're, that. You're firing Favre? <laughs> no, I fired Favre. Favre. I fired I Favre. Those, we cheated with him. Those, I don't want those photos on my cell phone, man. I don't want those. I, I, you, can't, you can't trust them. I'll take them. Are you, you sure, Pat? I got a bunch <laughs> of the photos I could send you right now. Just give me that cell phone <laughs> <Yeah>. number. <laughs> You're not it a fan of Crocs, Pat? It is amazing. <laughs> it's amazing how he got away with that. It's just, ah, that's prepped, you know. Well, Might have had to pay a little price at home. It, I was going to say, I was told it didn't go over as well at home as it did with us, and that Brett was spending more and more time at Winter Park watching film than he ordinarily had been. <laughs> yeah, probably was. What's her name? Denise? What's her Deanna. name? Deanna. Oh, Deanna or Deanna. Jen Sturger? Which Deanna. The wife, the wife. Deanna. Yeah, that was great. But, it's, you know, that would have, most people, that would have hounded them for the rest of their lives. Hey, well, that's Brett. What the hell? You know, that's, uh, he's, he's a little goofy. Yeah. Who, who cares? You know. <laughs> Great, very goofy. So, um, would you have gone? It sounds like the twins pretty reliably did not want to go a fifth year on Madison Bumgarner. Where do you fall on that? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thank you. Uh, but, no, I mean uh, it's it's. it's did I, they just? I can I can I'm confirm sorry. I can confirm that it is ironclad that they didn't want to go a fifth so, year. So how many what, how many years did he get? Uh, he hit five. He, he got, got five. five, but he only got eighty-five, right? Yeah, less than that. Right? Actually, today, today the final numbers came out, and it was less. It was just under eighty-two. So, well, uh, I you know I I thought you were going to get I I didn't. I thought he was going to get twenty a year. I thought it was going to cost you eighty-two for four. So, uh, yep. I, I, I guess I I don't know. I you know let let me. I'm willing to wait another month and see if they do anything to before I get overly wrought about uh, Bumgarner because there's just you know what I, I I said before I'd rather have Bumgarner than Keuchel but I don't think there's that much difference in him if you can uh, if you want to go give him you know you're not going to have to give him that much money but uh, you know if you can get him for three with a big option uh, where he gets a buyout in the fourth I I'd, I'd side him and not complain. Or, or 
or make a trade. You know, you just got to do something here pretty soon in the next month, I would think. Yeah, we're only 100 days away from opening day, Pat. Did you realize we're that close to baseball? No, we're about 20 minutes away from opening the spring training. I think it's February 12th or something. Is it really so again? I can't get used to this. 12th or 13th, it's so early this year because uh, they didn't want to run into the presidential yes. election. That's another reason they moved it up because uh, there's a uh, there's a presidential election that's uh, going to get a lot of publicity <laughs> coming up. I hadn't heard. Hmm, interesting. I hadn't mm-hmm. heard about that. Who are candidates in that one? Yeah, who's playing? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Sixty fourteen bracket right now by the looks of things on the Democrats. <laughs> <laughs> so, anywho, uh, that's that's it. So, uh, what's uh, what, when are we going to get started getting our money filled up here? Come on, let's go there. We haven't seen uh, it. It gets kind of quiet because they're waiting to read. They're trying to wrap up their recruiting class, right? Tomorrow they announce their recruiting class. Yeah, he's doing a press conference. Mm-hmm. Yes. 20, 24 or 5 guys. And then, uh, and then, uh, then, then maybe we start reading more about the bowl game, huh? I get, I wonder if, uh, Winfield's obviously going to the trains, but I wonder, I wonder if he'll play. Uh, you know, I wonder if you'll play in that game. Pat, how, how do you how do you feel about the team? How do you feel about the team writing uh, thank you notes to the Outback Bowl committee and mailing them out there? Did you see that? Oh, I think I I just was thrilled as a Minnesotan. I think it just it makes me so proud to be a Minnesotan that they did that. I just thought it was wonderful, and uh, you know, I I just think that just shows what fine young men were creating over there. I just. Uh, no, I'm not. Right really I need to know who I'm wrote really the thank you cards. But okay, you, wait, wait, wait. But Phil, 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 here's the key thing. Roycey and Fleck has made Roycey and Patino buddies now. <laughs> okay? So there's some good from this. You and you and little Richie are buddies. Well, you beat the number three team in the country. I'm not going to rip you. Tell okay? Phil what Patino said at, at the press conference to you. I can't remember whether I'm, I'm scared of you sitting here. Royce was in the front row and he said something I think like that. I think you said you, you make him nervous. Yes. Make him, is that okay? Yeah, maybe that was it. Maybe it was You make me nervous. Make nervous. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I told that story on Monday Night Sports. And, uh, Kathy Ganey, uh, Bob Ganey's wife, who uh, was a great gal and had uh, a brain tumor, and she ended up dying about five years later in 1995. This was in 1990. I wanted to do a Christmas column on her. And, uh, and she'd had two family members die of this, uh, the same thing. Now it was supposed to be benign, but, uh, eventually it, it did not. And she came from a French Canadian family of 17 and they were dirt poor and they would have Christmas and only one of the kids would get a present and the other kids would cry. They'd be so happy for their sibling. Anyway, that was the story, right? So I, I tried to set up this story with her, and Patty Connolly, Tom Reed's wife, was the PR person then, and she said, Kathy says she'll only do it if it's going to be a positive column. <laughs> and I said, what? So Kathy says, there's a possibility I'm going to rip her on Christmas? Chris, <laughs> dying person Christmas column. Never thought much of them. <laughs> You know, she happens to have this brain ailment, and she's a great guy, gal, and, uh, and, she, and I said, wow, that's that's bad for a guy's image right there. <laughs> have, you, have you ever refused to write an obituary about someone that you didn't like? 
No, no, I don't. I mean, I, I don't get that many. You know, like I wrote workers on Saturday because, uh, you know, I basically everybody was scrambling on Saturday and I know them well and I, I write that. But no, I don't really, they don't really assign me that. I, I, I write columns about guys that, uh, you know, once in a while when they, they die because I have always said that my, uh, it is appearing to look like my job security at the Star Tribune is dead wrestlers from the, the AWA. You know, <laughs> get about two of those a year or they can eat. They got to keep me around every time we get a dead wrestler. Hey, where's Rice? Let's go get him. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I don't really. I'm sure I've written some on people that I wasn't big fans of, but, uh, you know, I, I you, you usually take the positive tack. It's not like Dick Young, who allegedly wrote after Thurman Munson's plane crash. I never actually saw it, I just heard it. That, Thurman Munson was a jerk. Now he's a dead jerk. Was, uh, <laughs> oh, I've, I've heard that story. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, I think that's accurate. I, 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 I wouldn't do that. I'd pass no. I pass on that one liner. Thank you very much. You Pat, have to be a really bad guy. We will catch you tomorrow. <laughs> imagine getting friend. that through. All right. See you, Pat. See you, Roy. See you. Imagine writing that and getting that through to the paper. Tom Powers for the Pioneer Press when Carl Polad died. Didn't, oh, I know. Didn't pull any punches. And it caused. And got, I was in a the press big box. Press box yeah, controversy. It was amazing. Yep, that was, that was contentious. It's a story for for another time. But we're uh, we're back tomorrow, and you can find our podcast, Mackie and Jeb with Rami, Apple, Spotify, and the Score North app, which I think is free to download. Totally free. Cool. Until at least Christmas. So I don't have to pay for it. We might extend it beyond that.